Good morning, everybody out there in Libertarian Land. How are you? It's Steph. It is 8.42 a.m. on the 24th of January, 2006. So, I wanted to chat this morning about a topic that was related to the topic that I was chatting about yesterday, but also goes a little bit further. And when I was looking up, I was uh, looking up a couple of things on roads yesterday, and I didn't get very far because it's not a topic that people get into um, a great deal. But while I was there, uh, on the great white web looking for uh, text on roads, I came across something called Why I Am Not a Libertarian, which was an interesting um, little document written in a horrible little mean way, but I thought I would touch on one or two of the points that was in it. I'm driving, so I didn't get a chance to, uh, I don't have, have a chance to, to read it to you directly, but uh, the, the sort of salient point that was there, um, I'll sort of talk about because it's something you'll run into quite a bit, and maybe you have some doubts about it yourself, because it's uh, uh, it's one of these sort of heart-tweaking topics that people use to um, to keep, you know, the sort of the reign of evil continuing in, in the world. And the reign of topic, sorry, the, the, um, the topic was this. Um, libertarians say that they are against compulsion, and in order to be against compulsion, they say that property rights are, you know, the thing. <laughs> you know, that property rights are just the main thing. And this person was saying, but you can be coerced economically as much as you can be coerced uh, physically. And he said, oh, if you don't believe me, there's a lawsuit going on at the moment someplace in the States wherein Walmart employees were forced to work overtime. Um, and, you know, if they didn't work overtime, they were going to get fired. And there were some of them who didn't have the money to move. And there weren't any other jobs in town. And therefore, they were being forced to work this overtime, you know, as surely as if they were in prison and blah de blah de blah Well, Lord save us from idiots, please. I mean, oh, just, you know the thing that bugs me the most about these people? Just the most. What bugs me the most is, and, and you know, we run into this daily if we talk with people about libertarian topics. They are slaves to power, they are apologists for brutality. They are quislings for violence. They are appeasers of state power. And yet, they speak as if they've gone through some sort of theory to arrive at this conclusion. Now, I don't mean to pick too much on this, you know, unknown guy on the internet who, you know, for all I know, and based on his intellectual ability, if not his writing... It may be around 12, so, you know, I apologize if I'm picking on someone who's picked up their politics from after-school specials on the poor, but it just it, it's not just confined to this unknown gentleman, but to oh, everybody. Like, even the people, uh, I was talking yesterday about the roads, right? This guy's father was, well, we need the state because of the roads, but that... Um, and, you know, they, they speak as if they've given the subject any thought. And that's, you know, this is the Socratic, that's the thing that irritated Socrates too, so I feel like I'm in good company. But it's like, man, just tell me, you know what, I guess I've never really thought. I, I, 
about why we have roads. I just kind of assumed that we have roads from the government because there was no other way to do it. But, you know, that may not be the case. And that's that's really, I think, what bothers me the most, that there's no curiosity. And yet there's an expression of knowledge. Um, and, and that's just a such a fundamental intellectual sin that I just have little patience with people who demonstrate it. Um, I mean, I've been wrong in my life many times, and I've been corrected many times, and I appreciate it, everybody who has corrected me. And what I really hate is people who say, oh, I, I know this, and they've never given it a moment's thought, and they don't realize that they've been entirely programmed to come up with this kind of nonsense, right? I mean, it's no accident that every time anybody's faced with libertarian ideas, they trumpet the same, like, eight things or ten things maximum. Uh, it's because, you know, the whole culture, the state, uh, you know, the state education, or, I mean, all the stuff you hear, the commercials from the state, the, the, um, uh, the, the, the way the politicians talk, every speech, every, uh, every campaign ad, all the literature, I mean, it all points at the same thing. And government is an essential necessity within society because it keeps the peace and does things which nobody else can do, and the free market is fine in a limited way, but it needs... To, I mean, they just don't realize that all they're doing is repeating the propaganda they've been given and calling it thought, and they have absolutely no question about that. Like, I mean, I don't know the number of times... I've had conversations with people wherein they've said something as silly as there would be no roads if it wasn't for the government because, you know, private engineers would all vaporize and nobody would have any way of figuring out how to get from A to B. Or, you know, it's just, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's plain stupidity. And I have never once, in 20 years of talking to people about these topics, I have never once, okay, once, with my wife, but... <laughs> Prior to that, I have never once had anyone say, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that it, I don't even know why I just automatically thought that the government had to do it. Because you're right, obviously there would be a way to do roads without the government. And, you know, obviously you're right that morality is not something that really works in a universal way if some people have the right to create roads through violence. And they never say, I wonder why I thought that. Like, I, it automatically came to me. And it's baffling to me why I would have an opinion about something <clears throat> that I've never really thought about before, and that that opinion would be so much in line with state power and a kind of moral corruption. I mean, those weren't my wife's exact words, but, you know, she's uh, like one of the very few people that I... I mean, I, I'm being generous if I call it uh, a couple... Uh, of people who have said, huh, well, isn't that interesting? I had an opinion, and I don't even know why. And it was a very strong opinion, and I was very certain, but obviously I was incorrect. So it's incumbent upon me to sort of figure out why I think this way. That would be an intellectually mature and honest and virtuous response. And, you know, but all these cretins out there, ugh, all these philistines just parroting away the state propaganda as if they have opinions as if they've thought the matter through and uh, oh I tell you just uh, I mean if you I'm patient with these people because there's no point having better ideas and just getting angry at people because then you you might as well not bother with the better ideas and go along with the flow like everyone else but I tell you in my heart of hearts I mean my eyes roll around so far they come back up again 
the same way. So, so anyway, this this thing around Walmart. So this gentleman, Mr. Anonymous on the internet, was talking about how this is a form of coercion. That Walmart, by forcing their employees to work overtime, is coercing them as surely as you know a prison guard or you know a, a thief or something like that. <sighs> well, where to begin with how ridiculous this all is? Now, I don't want to overuse the medical metaphor, so I'll sort of briefly sort of do that one, and then I'll switch to a sports metaphor. So you're in a small town, and you work at Walmart, and you have no savings, and you have no opportunities, and there are no other jobs in town, and you can't move away, and you have no friends who can help you out, and blah de blah de blah Well, guess what? You're hosed. You're hosed. And it's not... It's not the free market's fault that you're hosed. It's not your doctor's fault if you don't exercise and eat muffins all day, you know, weigh 350 pounds and have a heart attack when you're 40. It's not your doctor's fault. And you don't go to the doctor belligerently and say, you better fix this, you know, when you're breaking down his table because you're sitting on it. You look in the mirror and you say, wow, you know, I... I really did get into a bad situation here. Uh, and, you know, whose fault is it? Well, it's my fault. Now, you know, the one thing that I will say, which is related to what I said yesterday, is that it's not entirely these people's fault that they uh, that there are no other jobs in town, right? That's probably 99.9%. It's the government's fault, right? And for all the reasons that I talked about yesterday. So I just find that's kind of funny, right? You, again, you're just taking this snapshot of somebody's circumstances and not having any clue about how they got there. And you say, well, maybe these people are too dumb to know their own self-interest and that's why they never got an education and that's why they never w rose above Walmart and that's why what a what a what a right? They didn't start their own business or, oh, okay, well, maybe these people are dumb. Well, I'll tell you this, they're not too dumb to join a class action lawsuit against Walmart. <laughs> You know, they certainly understand the value of money and incentive and reward enough to want the free money that's ripped off from Walmart by this ridiculous legal system we have. So, you know, they're, they're absolutely and perfectly and clearly able to figure out their own self-interest and to take action to achieve it. They just didn't want to earlier. And so they put themselves at the mercy of uh, some, someone like Walmart, who is, you know, by all accounts, a pretty good employer. Um, and so, let's say that even if this is true, and of course, you know, given the American legal system and the Western legal system, um, which is all about plunder and suppression and nothing to do with protecting the citizens, um, given that that's, the, even if we accept that this, this lawsuit claim is true, which is highly doubtful that it is, right? It's probably just a bunch of people nagging and complaining who are sort of incented by a union or paid by, um, you know, politicians to stir up trouble because they wanted to get Walmart, un Walmart unionized in the worst way, right? Because, you know, the unions can't get anybody to unionize in the private sector because the capitalists have figured it out and will offer all the concessions people would have got without unions without having to get pay hundreds of dollars a year in union dues to people who fund socialists. So, you know, the unions are only really expanding in the public sector and they can see that that's not going to last forever. So they're trying desperately to get into the private sector again and nobody wants them. So it certainly wouldn't shock me at all if these people were all just paid by unions to raise this complaint and to cause this muss and fuss and get people even more negative about the free market. I mean, this kind of agitprop propaganda is just absolutely common. In every political cause in history, you get these kinds of falsehoods. 
But even if we accept that it is true that, you know, the mean Walmart manager said, look, I need you to work overtime, and these people said no, and he said, okay, well, if you don't, then I'm going to have to let you go because, you know, and I'm just basing this on what the facts of the matter were presented in the, in the article, because, you know, he says, look, I got 15 people lining up for your job. You know, I got 20-year-olds who've got no commitments who are more than happy to work all the overtime that I can give them because they want to get out of this hellhole to some places where they have some opportunity. So we can only assume that there are lots of people lining up for this recalcitrant workers or group of workers' jobs who are more than willing to work the overtime. And so well, what is the Walmart manager supposed to do? You know, I mean, for instance, I worked in a hardware store when I was a teenager, and, you know, we had to do inventory every now and then, and, oh, it was horrible. I always seemed to get the plumbing and the uh, nuts and bolts section, which was, you know, tricky to count, let's say. Um, but, you know, you had to do inventory, you know, for a variety of reasons, which we don't get into here, but it wasn't really something that you could just up and postpone if you felt like it. So, you know, what's the wall? Let's just assume that it was for something like inventory, right? That's generally what overtime in the retail industry is for. Well, what, what's the Walmart manager supposed to do? He can't run his store if he doesn't have an inventory, right? He can't do inventory during the day. I mean, we had to do it on a Sunday, uh, back when the stores were closed on Sundays by law, because you couldn't disrupt the stores to, to that degree. And, of course, you couldn't exactly do inventory with people buying stuff from under you, right? Because it wouldn't be accurate. So let's just say that he can't do it in regular hours because it just doesn't make any sense and he has to do it in overtime and he has to do it in, uh, for a number of reasons some of which I'm sure are legally driven and some of which are you know well basically you have to figure out what's sold and what you know what's work moving and what's not moving and the guy who runs the Walmart store doesn't have any choice about this either like he has to uh, provide the inventory to his superiors because that's kind of what they're asking for right I mean, the employees ask for payroll and expect it to be delivered at a certain time. And so it's fair to say, it's fairly safe to, to say that this guy's manager, old woman's, um, wanted inventory at a certain time and he had to deliver it. Otherwise, his job would be on the line and, you know, he probably has the best job in the whole town. So, so you know, what, what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to say to his bosses, sorry, I can't get you the, um, these people don't want to work overtime. And I can't get you the uh, the inventory or whatever it is that you need to get from the overtime to you. Well, of course, that messes up their whole uh, quarterly review at Walmart, uh, the Walmart battle station somewhere in the States, because, you know, they got to get all the numbers from the stores. they got to figure out if this one's worth keeping, if it's not worth keeping, if the price points are right, if the right material is in the right shelves, in the right places, at the right times, in the right prices. I mean, it's really complicated running retail. And so, you know, really, what's this guy going to do? going to get fired himself because some people don't want to work overtime? Well, what's that going to do? Let's say he takes a stand and he says, by golly, I'm not going to fire these people for refusing to work overtime. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the bullet for the team and I'm going to get fired. Well, that's fine. You know, there are probably a thousand people who want his job in this Hickville or wherever the hell it is. And so they move in. And of course, the first thing that they're going to ask whoever wants this guy's job is, would you have a problem firing people for refusing overtime? And, of course, if, if a guy says, I'd never do that, he's not going to get the job. So, you know, within two weeks, they're going to have somebody in place there who is going to have no problem firing people uh, for refusing to work overtime. So, you know, it's, it's not going to do anything right, to get fired. I mean, that's, that's sort of important when you're looking at your own moral stands, right? I mean, is it going to change the situation in any material manner?
I mean, plus is it right or wrong? I mean, sorry, let me start off with the right or wrong, but there are pragmatic elements to it as well. Uh, you know, and I, I'm simply saying that based on my own experience and logic, which is that I pay my taxes rather than go to jail, although I know that my taxes are going to pretty nefarious purposes by pretty corrupt and immoral people. Um, I still choose to buy my freedom with four hours of my eight-hour workday. So, and, and that's becoming, if I knew that paying, not paying my taxes were gonna, was going to change something, then I would, uh, I would review that in more detail, let's say. <laughs> So, yeah, so, so what does it mean uh, to say that these people are being economically coerced, right? I mean, <laughs> would, would they be less economically coerced if they had not had a job to begin with? Would they be less economically coerced uh, if they had um, uh, just decided to work the frickin' overtime? Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if they really felt, and we'll take sort of the worst-case scenario here, right, if Walmart needed 20 people but only hired 10 and demanded that each one of them work double overtime or they were going to get fired, well, you know, just quit. And, you know, I know that it's hard, you know, uh, to, to just quit, right, and it's hard to give up um, something that looks great, uh, you know, based on it's sort of a principle. I can tell you sort of a brief story about my encounter with this. When I um, sold my company, uh, I stayed on for a little while, didn't like the new management, and I quit. And I didn't quit to do anything. I just wanted to take a break from, from working and from, from software and from being an entrepreneur. And to make a long story short, basically the, um, the management were in the process of selling the company to another group, and they sort of begged me not to quit, but I was like, you know, well, I'll talk to this new group and so on, but uh, I don't really feel that we have the same business philosophy, which was the nicest way I could put it at the time. And um, so I quit, and then this new company came on board, and they offered me, gosh, $150,000 a year for three days a week of labor. And I ended up not taking the job because... I did not like the way that they did business, and I really felt that it was actually a bad business proposition to pay that much for that little labor, which meant that I was going to get involved in, once more, covering up for the incompetencies of my superiors, which, you know, is much more common in modern capitalism than, you know, well, <laughs> if you work in the, in the public or private sector, you probably, there's not too much of a shock for you, right? I mean, what we call the free market at the moment is really ridiculous, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's so few elements of it left. Uh, except in very entrepreneurial software ventures and other kinds of sort of frontier technology ventures that um, oh, it's just uh, there's so little left in the, of the free market that uh, you know we really can't even call it the free market anymore uh, except on those sort of frontier technology uh, ventures so you know you just quit even though it's hard even though you may be offered a lot right and, and what do you do well you dip into your savings what you don't have any savings well that's your choice right so what's wrong with that I mean, the fact that you end up having to work at Walmart and being unable to quit, well, that's because you spent your money earlier. And you enjoyed spending your money earlier, right? I mean, if you save, I don't know, $500 a month, and you end up with a great retirement fund, um, well, good for you, right? If I blow my $500 a month, and I end up with a pretty meager retirement fund, well, how on earth can I begrudge you going on cruises and going to the Yucatan Peninsula and, you know, going to Madagascar and wherever you want to go, um, you know, on a moment's dime and buying your berth and the QE2 and all this kind of stuff? Just go go for it, right? Because that's your payoff for deferring $500 worth of spending pleasure and, you know, high-tech goodies for, you know, 30 years or 40 years. 
I mean, I can't begrudge that to you. I mean, I can, but so what? I mean, the fact of the matter is that I spent $500 more a month than you did, which I enjoyed. And there are risks for me, right? The risks for me of, of spending $500 more a month is that I'm going to live forever and I'm going to have to, you know, live in a bachelor apartment and eat craft uh, dinner for, you know, 25 or 30 years. And that's, you know, that's a risk that I take, right? The risk that you take is that you've deferred all this funsy spending and then you might get struck by lightning or hit by a heart attack when you're 50 and you won't, um, uh, you won't uh, get to enjoy your retirement, right? It goes to those ungrateful grandkids. Anyway, so, so I mean, I just don't understand why people have a problem. Uh, I mean, I can understand why sort of petty, short-sighted people would have, oh, those poor people in this town X at Walmart and so on. But, you know, they kind of spent their money, right? And don't give me this that they spent it or they had to rent. And for, like, if this is a town where there's no employment, trust me, you know, uh, Walmart is a decent salary. Um, because there's just not that demand for the uh, for the housing, right? Housing being one of the biggest costs. Um, and this sort of is is a uh, something to understand about economics, right? That I mean, again, in the absence of, of coercion, in the absence of state coercion, you know, everything's equal. Everything's equal. Everything is absolutely equal. And the reason that we know that is is just if you look at, well, I want to go and live in in uh, San Francisco, because it's a beautiful town, it's in the Bay, it's, you know, it's in California, the, the weather is great. Well, okay, but like, sure, but buying a house is a trillion dollars, and, you know, if I want to rent something, it's like eight billion dollars a minute. So, that's not uh, an equal choice. And if I say I want to go live in Crapsville, um, I don't know, Alabama, to pick a state for no particular reason, then what does that mean? Well, Boy, you know, I can get a house there for like eight cents a month, um, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's bug infestations, and you know, I don't know. Like, there's just terrible. There's no work, and if I do get a job, it pays me nine cents uh, a week, right? So, it, it everything is equal, right? If you want to live in a place with no pollution, then it's going to be more exp- like all things being equal. Two two towns, one with no pollution and one with some pollution, then the one with no pollution is going to be more expensive. Right, every choice is equal, and it's just a matter of, of personal preference. Um, you know, if I wanted to become a lawyer tomorrow, by the time I'm 50, I make make more money. But then I'd have to go through three years of law school, and then I have to go through articling 80 hours a week for I don't know how long. I'd have to start working my way up, and so on. So it's just equal. Every choice is equal, and there's no real reason to believe that one person's choice, again, sans morality, that one person's choice is better than another. It's absolutely up to everybody's personal preference. So the people who worked in Walmart uh, in this mystery town, it's hard to sort of, I mean, how, how on earth are they, I mean, they've made their choices, right? They decided to spend their money rather, I mean, tell you, they've got cars, right? I mean, they have to, you can't live in a small town without a car. Um, they've got cars, they've probably got their houses, uh, they're probably not living on cat food, you know, they, they've probably got nice clothes in their closet. Uh, they've probably got a microwave, they've probably got a television, cable, uh, maybe even a satellite dish, you never know. And so they've made their choices, they've decided to spend, I'm not saying they're blowing their money on, on booze and, and, and chicks, right? I'm saying that, you know, whatever they have spent their money on above bare subsistence, they have decided to spend that money rather than to save, rather than to get, you know, an online degree, or go to school, or start their own hair salon, or move to a town with more opportunity, or, you know, whatever. So, 
it's you know they've made that choices they've they've enjoyed spending that money and the consequence of course is that they have less freedom i mean in the very loosest sense of the word freedom but they have less freedom in in an economic sense and they will be subjected to right they back themselves into a corner uh and so they uh, you know face that problem that if walmart says overtime or or we'll fire you they're going to feel like well eh, what choice do i have i'm going to be angry right maybe i'll launch a lawsuit but i mean there's absolutely no reason for them to feel that way and there's certainly no reason for somebody who is judging the system ethically to have any problem with them i mean i certainly can't understand people might not might not sorry people might not like the consequences of the choices that they make later on right i mean it's like the smoker gets lung cancer he's like oh man i shouldn't have smoked because now i'm dead and i can understand that feeling but there's absolutely no reason to feel that you were gypped right i mean any more than if you put your dice on the if you put your um your um your chips on the roulette wheel uh and you lose there's no reason to feel you were ripped off you rolled your dice right you took your chances yes i know it's a spinning wheel not dice but you know <laughs> forgive me for my lack of facility with casino metaphors <clears throat> you know similarly somebody who um uh you know is you know unhealthy and overweight and then shows up uh at a running coaches and said you know i have a race in 2 days i want you to help me win it right it's like well who are you running against well you know 18 year old prof- you know professional runners or 20 year old professional runners well the coach is going to say i'm sorry son i have absolutely no chance of helping you because if you wanted to win a race you know you should have been training for the last 5 years right and you should have been on a strict diet you should have been running for 3 hours a day you should have been stretching you should have been you know drinking your electrolytes and all of this other funky stuff for exercise i simply can't help you right i mean if you want to to be an athlete you have to have certain obviously there's some innate skills that you need but you absolutely are going to have to train and get ready for it and prepare and not be overweight and you can't work miracles overnight right i mean a lot of things in life that revolve around quality take years of preparation i didn't sort of wake up one morning and say ah i'm going to do podcasts and i'm going to have all the stuff to say i mean it's all the result of you know pretty careful preparation until i felt that i was free of error and could begin talking right i mean it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't easy to wait but you know i i didn't want to uh, put out things that would were going to be false i mean any more than just accidental things and i think i've got the basics down pretty well uh and i'm always open to correction but i'm not doing things like saying we should you know the iraq war is great which a couple of years ago i would have been saying so you know that's uh that's another important thing to to remember when you're talking of just forget to throw away the snapshot the snapshot is irrelevant the snapshot is completely irrelevant you have to look at the big picture when you're talking about things like violence and power and coercion and morality and blah 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 i mean you you see a picture of hitler playing with his dog and you know assuming he's not in that butch little uniform you see a picture of uh, a picture of hitler playing with his dog is he, is he a completely moral person when he's playing with his dog and nice to the children who are around in the bergdes garden and is he a really great guy when he's asleep because he's not doing anything stone evil well okay so he's like good 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 when he's not you know out there ordering the deaths of millions uh and then he's bad 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 when he's doing that and then maybe neutral 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 every second that he's asleep and then good 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 when he's brushing his teeth or maybe neutral and then you know when he 
you know, kisses Eva Brown and tells her she looks pretty, maybe that's nice, he's good, good, and then he goes back... To, I mean, you get the point, right? I mean, it's not like a... Uh, um, it's not like a seismograph of good and evil. I mean, and it's the same thing as true when you look at a snapshot of somebody's life. Because, I mean, of course, that's exactly what people who've made bad decisions will want you to believe, right? They'll want you... They'll want to, they'll want to have all the pleasure... I'm sorry, and in this instance, I, I apologize, I'm not talking about bad decisions, right? They're going to make one set of decisions like I'm going to spend my money rather than get educated or move out of a town with no opportunity. They want all the benefits of that decision to spend. And yet, when they get into trouble, because, you know, maybe the Walmart closes down or maybe whatever, right? This town with 47% unemployment we were talking about yesterday. Then immediately, they're going to want to turn around and have you, um, you know, blind you to the reality of their choices that led them to where they were. And that's a natural reaction among sort of amoral, economically going for the big advantage kind of people. Uh, it's it's completely natural because they want the they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want the best of both worlds. And you know, you only encourage them by giving it to them, right? <laughs> I mean, if you want to uh, stop people from being irrational and you want to stop people from being manipulative and you want to stop people from making decisions which are counterproductive in the long run, well, you you just have to stop funding. Uh, those bad decisions. Now, I'm not talking about welfare in general here and social security and so on, because, of course, uh, I've been accused, and probably not for the last time, of you know wanting to throw these people out on their heinies, and that's not really the case at all, and I'll sort of get into that in another podcast. But, you know, if you want, uh, if you want people to stop drinking uh, alcohol or being alcoholics, then, you know, the first thing that you do is stop covering for them at work, and you stop lending them money when they run out of money. And you stop joining them on hellacious weekends in Las Vegas. And you just do all the things that... You refrain from doing the things that, that, that they would want you to do to support them, right? I mean, that's, that's simple. It's a sort of basic, simple, uh, a simple moral approach, right? You withdraw your sanction. You stop... Um, you quit supporting those who are making government bigger, as Harry Brown says. Um, so, uh, from that standpoint, the people who are in this sort of mystery Walmart town... They are uh, entire idiots, uh, you know, with the caveat that the government has stripped that town of probably any economic incentive for jobs and so on. So I would just say that when it comes time to talking about economic coercion, you know, people have to be kind of precise. They have to be kind of precise. They can't just say, well, if you fire someone who doesn't have another job, it's exactly the same as forcing them to X, Y, or Z. It's absolutely not the same. And if people gave it even a moment's thought, rather than just parroting the socialistic claptrap that we're all programmed with from day zero, I mean, day zero here, of course, because you're born into a socialized hospital. <laughs> but, um, you know, if people just gave it a moment's thought and nobody's asking them to, to solve the, you know, um, Fermat's last theorem or nobody's asking them to, to figure out uh, and, and re-explain relativity to a four-year-old, uh, none of that is occurring. All that's occurring is we're asking people to think, you know, for just a moment about what it is that they're saying. Well, being fired is exactly the same as being forced. No, it's not. It's not even remotely the same. You have no right to a job. You have no right for other people to provide you with a livelihood. You have no right to other people's money or time or energy. You have to give up that notion first and foremost. First of all, if you're ever going to have a successful romantic relationship, of course, and successful friendships, you have to give up that sense of entitlement. Otherwise, there's no capacity for... You'll have no capacity for generosity, negotiation, and compromise. 
But in the economic sphere, I have no right to uh, my paycheck whatsoever. I mean, I tr the only way that I can attain job security is to provide as much value as humanly possible to my employers. Or, of course, if I'm a business owner, the only way that I can retain good employees is to provide as much value as humanly possible to my employees. And, you know, that's not secure because I could end up with some irrational boss who just took a hatred to me and, you know, worked to get me fired or I would probably just quit in that situation. And so, you know, this idea that for um, for one person to decide, sorry, that I, I don't want to do any more economic transactions with you, um, to cease acting is not violence. To cease acting is not violence. I mean, basically, what's happening with these people at Walmart? Well, their boss is saying, I am going to stop paying you. I am ceasing my action of putting money in your paycheck, uh, in your payroll. So he's just not doing something. He was doing something, like handing over a pile of cash or whatever, or the money's getting dumped in your bank account every two weeks. And all he's doing is he's ceasing to do that. How on earth is that violent? It, it it just it it boggles my mind how people can come up with this kind of nonsense with a straight face. It's not it's got nothing to do with violence to cease acting. You know, if I give you twenty bucks a week um, because I think that you should buy a couple of sodas, and then I decide to stop giving you that money, I don't know why. Like, who who knows, right? You 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 flip me the finger or something. Well, how is it violent? Of course, you don't want me to. You'd rather I continue to give you this money. And, of course, these Walmart employees would rather that Walmart continue to hire them, uh, despite the fact that they don't want to work overtime and thus are throwing the entire corporate mechanism into an unproductive and very expensive loop. And, you know, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't make any sense. And, and the, the hypocrisy of all of this is just so transparent. And this is sort of where you can leave this, this argument with people if, if they really get, get hot and bothered about all of this. Oh, it's like, okay, so if people want to keep their jobs at Walmart, and if they can't keep their jobs at Walmart despite not wanting to work overtime, they're going to sue for, you know, Lord knows how much money, then obviously they want to make decisions based on what is economically advantageous to them, right? I mean, people have to accept that as a basic fact, right? It's more economically advantageous for people to continue to have a job at Walmart and not have to work overtime. Why? Because they shift the burden of working overtime to other people. Overtime is just a natural part of, of almost all jobs that aren't, you know, controlled by these ridiculous state unions. So basically people are saying it is economically advantageous for me. This is what I would prefer in my economic arrangements to uh, be able to work uh, at Walmart without having to work overtime or with, you know, without ever having to work overtime when I don't find it advantageous to me specifically at that time whatever, right? I mean, they may not say, I never want to work overtime, but for sure, <coughs> they're saying that it's this is my economic advantage. It's better for me. Well, I can't really understand why people who work for Walmart should be encouraged and permitted to, to act for what is to their economic advantage, and yet the people who run Walmart are not. I mean, what sense does that make? We're all human beings you know, ten fingers, ten toes, two arms, two legs. We're all kind of the same biology. Uh, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth, so to speak. So why is it that the people who work at Walmart must be free to exercise their economic advantage or exercise to, to choose actions or, 
or have so, sort of have circumstances rendered to them that are to their economic advantage. So for them to act to maximize their economic advantage is a great thing. But for the Walmart manager to act to, to, to maximize his economic advantage is a bad thing. Because the basic fact of the matter is that when somebody wants to fire you, you know, 99 times out of 100, it's not just some jerk who's out to get you. It's because you're not producing for the company or the employer. You're not producing more than you're consuming. Right? I mean, we there are salespeople at our company. I mean, there was one salesman at our company who uh, was supposed to do $2 million in a year, and he did 180000 Now, based on his pay and his office and his computer and the overhead and the health plan and the benefits package and, you know, all of the travel that he had to, uh, to go through to, you know, come up with his, you know, fabulous $180,000 and the expense of his payroll and, I mean, there's just, you know, the overhead is just crazy in businesses, right? Then, of course, he's going to get fired. I mean, of course, you know, it's not a subsidy. And it, it would be no kindness to keep him on. I mean, sure, I'm sure he would prefer it in the short run, but, you know, is, is it really fair that everybody else loses their job because these uh, guys can't sell the software in a cost-efficient manner? I mean, I've been working on selling stuff for three months, and I've sold uh, $800,000 worth of software, so I don't have any particular fear about my job. Uh, and that's simply because I'm able to return more economic value than I'm consuming. And, you know, that's that's great. I mean, of course, that's what I always say when I go in for job negotiations and they say, what's your salary? I said, well, you know, pay me something fair based on my experience and don't worry, within six months uh, we'll have another negotiation and you'll feel comfortable paying me more. But I'm not going to ask for more up front because you don't ask for... Um, you don't ask for money uh, until you've proven value, right? I mean, it's the same thing in sales, right? I don't go to my soft, I don't go to some employee and say, uh, sorry, to some potential customer and say, "Ooh, look at all these great things the software can do." Uh, it's normally a hundred thousand dollars, but I can get it for you for seventy-five. I mean, that's just nonsense, right? I mean, that's like someone coming up to you and saying, you know, hey, I, I got a cousin who does really great kidney transplants, and I can get it to you for half price. You know what I mean? What if, you, what if your kidney's fine? The guy's just taking up your time for no reason. So the first thing you do is establish need, and then you prove value, and then, only then at the very end, do you discuss price. But uh, anyway, that's sort of a, a side note that's uh, sort of interesting. I, I really have uh, learned a lot about the sales process in the last uh, year or two. So... Uh, so you know, if, if, if for sure there's the the um, the value that these employees are providing to Walmart is not more than they are consuming, right? Otherwise, they would not uh, be fired, right? So um, there's no question that uh, the the uh, the managers at Walmart are acting to their economic advantage, right? They're recognizing a basic fact, which is that you know these people are consuming more than they're producing. And not just sort of temporarily, but you know, since they're you know, since they're not going to uh, um, want to work overtime in the future, if we don't, if we let them out of the system now, then they're never going to want to work overtime. It's going to through the internet. It's going to spread to other stores. All of our other stores are going to demand that they don't have to work overtime. And why is this store so different? We're going to have to change all our policies. And it probably is going to cost them tens of millions of dollars. And it's going to fester employee resentment to the point where unions can come in, which are going to cost them probably hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, you've got somebody who you're paying, you know, a couple of bucks an hour to who's giving you grief because, you know, they don't want to work overtime. 
And so firing them, you know, it's going to cost you some small amount of money because, you know, you have to rehire and so on. You have to pay them some sort of severance. So let's just say it costs you $5,000 to fire this person. Yet on the plus, you will get somebody who will work overtime and happily. You will avoid uh, a long-term labor dispute. You will avoid, um, you know, this, this sort of will create an exception to a rule, right, which you can't have in a sort of chain. Uh, you avoid the problems of employee resentment being festered to come into unions. So it's sort of hard to say, well, why would, why, what sane human being would make that decision? Right, and I mean, even if the manager did make that decision, oh, I'm going to let these people off overtime, well, he's just going to get fired himself, and they're going to put someone in who says, you know, we've got a policy. You've got a cha- we've got a chain here. You have a job because you work for us, and therefore we need you to follow these policies, and if you don't want to, that's no problem, but you can't work for us. And no, no sane human being would ever make that decision. So, you know, to say that this is some sort of coercion is completely lunatic. I mean, all Walmart is doing is what all of us do, which is we're calculating our economic advantage and saying, good Lord, there's absolutely no way that I can make this work. And Walmart didn't want this conflict any more than uh, anybody else did, except maybe the lawyers who the lawsuit is founded on. But Walmart would have been more than happy if these people had just worked the overtime or if there was some magic way to let them out of working the overtime and still get the job done uh, or some magic way of letting them out of the overtime and still uh, making sure that it never spread anywhere else or any of that. But, you know, there was just no there's no magic in this sort of stuff, so there was just no way for them to be able to do it. So, you know, all they've done is they said, I simply want to stop um, working with you, right? In the same way that your wife might walk up to you one day and say, uh, sorry, but I want a divorce. I mean, it's not quite as catastrophic as a divorce. But, you know, what uh, what are the options? Do you lock her in the basement and force her to stay married to you? Well, that's not a marriage either. Right. So, um, you know, there's simply no way to to stop your wife from leaving you if she wants to leave you because marriage is a voluntary relationship and it should be based on mutual advantage. And if your wife works up to you and says, I don't find being married to you to my advantage anymore, I want to leave. What are your options? Well, you can try and lock her in the basement. You can try and talk her out of it. You can promise to change. You can beg and cry. But of course, if this has happened five times before and you never do end up changing, she's just going to leave. And, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to force her to stay? Well, that's exactly the same thing with Walmart. Your wife is free to leave. And of course, people would, if you ask people, are women free to leave relationships that are bad for them, right? Where they're being abused, let's say. And people would say, well, of course, the, uh, uh, the, the women have the right to leave a relationship which is unproductive for them. It's like, well, then does an employee have the right to leave a relationship which is not beneficial to him? Yes. Well, does an employer have the right to re- leave a relationship that is not beneficial to him? Well, of course. And it's not coercive in any situation whatsoever. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you're doing well. I will talk to you soon.